So how excited are you for Spider-Verse this weekend? I am very excited. I just rewatched it uh, just this past week. Oh, yeah? yeah? Just to play catch-up again. I think again. Hannah and I might do the same because yeah. I've only seen it a couple times. Mm-hmm. Still fantastic. Oh, I'm no it's doubt. It's still it, one of, if not the best Spider-Man movie that's yeah. been made. Yeah. Should have got a Best Picture nomination that year. It should have, but so should have a Quiet Place. So yeah. we're still, I'm, I'm still on that. Well, it took the anim- it that. took the animated Oscar, right? It did. Okay, and that was the thing that was so funny is that was Incredibles 2's year. Yeah, like like they were twenty years in the making. Yeah, what a great story, riding the wave to that Oscar, and then at the end of November, <laughs> Spider Verse came out, like, well, shit. and just swept because yeah. it's that good. It's that good. I I'm excited. I have heard multiple reviews that have hit online of it already that say it's fantastic masterpiece and a couple have even said like this should not only get win the animated oscar but should get a best picture nomination and they said i doubt we will see 10 movies that are better than it yeah well like obviously like you know killers of the flower moon you know all those big ones and he's like but there's no way this doesn't crack the top 10 of like everyone's list this year. So I'm very excited for it. I'm excited too. Plus they put Spot in it and I love Spot. I love Spot. I have his as first well. appearance. I'm very Fuck excited. <laughs> that I... price just went up. Yep, yes it did. Good. That was a good good catch. Uh but yeah, Spider-Verse actually kind of has a lot to do with our main story today. Yes. But uh before we get into that, uh hello there. I just wanted to let you guys know that we are going to have one big main story that we dive into. It's kind of the new structure on the show where we'll kind of dive in, do a deep dive on it. Then we'll move on to the B-roll where we do a couple quick little headlines, maybe even some rumors today. Who knows? Mm -hmm. And then we will dive into the box office. And the box office is going to be fun today. Mm -hmm. I'm excited for the box office section. But for our big main story, we're going to say the main story and be like, that's that's what the main topic of the show is. Mm -hmm. But it's more of a deep dive as to how we kind of got to this moment yes and the main story is this uh phil lord and christopher miller are two very prevalent filmmakers in hollywood the producers behind the spider-verse films Mm -hmm. producers behind many things are directing a new live action movie soon that movie is called project hail mary it has ryan gosling attached to it yes and guess who's written a draft of the script so far Hmm. drew goddard Hell yeah. Fuck yes. I love Drew Goddard. And I believe that I don't, I want to say the name's Andy Weir, but yes, I'm who not wrote positive. Who wrote, on a book. Yeah, he wrote The Martian. So yes. this is another novel that yes. was written by it. Yes. And um, they have now, they were producers on the movie and they've decided that they are going to direct the movie. Mm-hmm. And you might be thinking like, okay, cool, but like, why is that such a big deal? Well, they haven't directed a live action movie since 22 Jump Street back in like, I think 2017? Something like that. Something like yeah. that? Here, I can tell you. And uh, the reason for that is because the last time they were trying... 2014. 2014. That was 22 Jump Street? Holy shit. 22 Jump Street, yeah. Wow. Um, But anyway, that's because back when they tried to direct another live-action movie, it didn't exactly go well for them. And a lot of you already know that story. But basically, what I wanted to do on today's show was kind of do a deep dive into the career of Lord and Miller, the dynamic duo behind many things yes and kind of kind of take you through everything their their history with animation into live action and both and where they're at now and what they mm-hmm. like to do and why them directing a new live action film is actually a really cool new thing that we're getting something we thought we may never get well what's interesting about them too is you know obviously directors can be very popular right you know yes there's household names and same thing with writers like we're excited that drew goddard is attached 
uh, you really don't get a lot of that with producers, I feel like. Because mm-hmm. the producer is either usually an actor, right, and they're working on this project, or you get the big names like Kevin Feige. So what's interesting about Lord and Miller is how prominent names they are. Yeah. And what they've done that they've become household names, yet they haven't directed something in 10 years. Exactly. And have just been producing, which yes. is what's, what's cool about them. That is. Thank yes. you for that. And so, and another thing I want to point out, this isn't a documentary. So, like, I don't have, like, they were born and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like, I don't have none of that. No. But I do just kind of want to take you through their a timeline of their career. So We are pulling from a uh, Hollywood Reporter article piece that was written about them. Yes. With interviews with them. And, and then everything. we're diving through yes. their IMDb and other factors, too. Yes. yes. So, they kind of got started doing, I mean, they had they written some jobs here and there Mm -hmm. writing credits in hollywood but then they got clone high the tv show yes and that was a short-lived but very popular passionate show that actually just got a revival on max which i think they're also involved with yes i think it's like two or three episodes and i never watched it so i'm not but they they were involved in that show Mm -hmm. and it was a huge deal and it was like i'm I was really young when it happened, but I remember when I would have friends conversation with friends about shows that got canceled. Yeah, they would they would mention Clone High. Okay, and I was like, okay, so that's where kind of my thing came from. It mm-hmm. and from a writing and producing perspective, they wrote a couple episodes of How I Met Your Mother, as well as being a co producer on the show for its first year. Mm-hmm. You know, they were involved in that. They did a lot of TV, and then their big break, if you will, is they wrote and directed Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Great movie, excellent movie. But it was kind of their first big dive in animation other than Clone High, the TV show, Mm -hmm. for an animated feature. You know, they had kind of gone forth with live action with How I Met Your Mother and everything. And they did Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. And it's like, oh, wow, what a a great job that they did. And then you're thinking, okay, where do you go from Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs? Do you do another thing? Do you do the sequel? They they have story credit treatment on the sequel, but they didn't direct the Mm -hmm. sequel. And they didn't, you know, write everything for the sequel. And they, they did some producing jobs here and there. But the big thing, the big jump, is they got hired to write and direct 21 Jump Street, mm-hmm. which at the time was had a lot of attention on it because it was a big, it was a very popular television series. With Johnny Depp. With Johnny Depp, yes. And actually, I stand corrected. I don't think they wrote 21 Jump Street. They just directed it. Okay. So they, they got the directing opportunity to direct... 21 Jump Street. It's a studio film, yeah. Which is a big deal, one. Yeah. And what they were really worried about is that TV show was a drama. And it was very easily, ahead of time, marketed as, this is going to be a comedy movie mm-hmm. with Channing Tatum and Jonah Hill. And Channing Tatum, at this time in his career, was starting to make that turn of doing more comedies and being taken more seriously as an actor. Because before this, he was still in a lot of roles where he was stereotypical hunk or the step up kind of thing. Yeah. 21 Jump Street comes out, and it crushes. It's one, it's hila- it's a hilarious movie. Very funny movie. Two, it's very well made. Mm-hmm. And three, it made money. So now they have an animated feature and a live action feature under their belt with Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs and 21 Jump Street. Mm-hmm. The world's at their fingertips. But they still like to do some fun stuff, so they directed the pilot of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Mm-hmm. And everyone knows, as a director in TV, you're really not all that important. It's the writer's job. But if you direct the pilot... You're setting the tone for what the rest of the series is. And I don't know if you've ever seen the Brooklyn Nine-Nine pilot audience. It's fantastic. And the tone they set pretty much stayed for the entire show. And it's amazing. It was a great thing that they did. 
And they also, after 21 Jump Street, again, got it producing. They did the story for Clyde with Chance of Meatballs 2. And then, after 21 Jump Street and directing the Brooklyn Nine-Nine pilot, they are like, are we going to do another live-action movie? No. They directed the Lego movie. <laughs> and uh, honestly, a lot of people will say, like, 21 Jump Street is where they cemented, like, how talented they were. Yeah. I argue it was the Lego movie for two reasons. One, this movie should have never worked. And people have short memories. When the Lego movie was announced, it got the equal backlash that, like, the Emoji movie got yeah. when it was announced. Like, people were fucking against this movie. Like, mm-hmm. why are they doing this? This is just a corporate commercial for Legos. This is stupid. What happens? Lego movie comes out, and it is fucking fantastic. It is a great movie. Mm-hmm. They nailed the formula, and they didn't win their Oscar. It was stupid, but they made a Lego Oscar, and it was hilarious, right? <laughs> so... Now you have these guys who can easily hop back and forth with animation and live action. And by the way, that's not a common thing. Not a lot of people have that skill set. And that worked in uh, Lego Movie had both. Yes. had live action elements in it. Yes, it did. Uh, Quick aside while we're on Lego Movie. Did you see the theory about Lego Movie and Barbie? No. That everyone thinks. I don't know what studios uh, is making Barbie comparatively. Warner Brothers. Brothers? Who made Lego Lego Movie? movie, Okay. That Will Ferrell's character is the head of Mattel, but that he's also the dad. It's the same from guy. Lego Movie. Oh, that would be really funny. They, it's not confirmed, but like mm-hmm. he's in the suit with a similar tie and everything, yeah. and everyone's like, "Oh, that'd be very funny." That would be funny. That would be very funny. <laughs> but uh, but going on, mm-hmm. uh, so now their career is kind of at almost at its peak. Yeah, with that they are crushing it left and right with everything that they've been doing. And as directors, they do some other TV work. I believe they directed, I don't know if it was the pilot of The Last Man on Earth, but they did direct episodes of The Last Man on Earth. That was the Will and they, Forte they did. show, They right? did direct the first two episodes, yes. I've heard good things. I never sat down and watched that one. I like Will Forte a lot, Same. though. And they also directed episodes of The After Party. They might have directed all of The After Party. I think that they did. They did. That show's very good. Yeah, they directed all of that show. show. Very funny show. And so they did some TV shows from a directing perspective. From a producing perspective, they would produce video games. They produced um, um, Clyde with a Chance of Meatballs 2. They, you know, at least as executive producers and all that. And they did the story treatment for it. They also are credited as exec producers on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which Mm -hmm. was probably why they were able to direct the pilot. But it gets better. They make a sequel to 21 Jump Street. 22 Jump Street that they also direct. Yes. And it's equally fucking great. Like, mm-hmm. it's hard to disseminate which one's better. Yeah. Like, I usually can't talk about one without talking about the other one. They've been crushing it, crushing it, crushing it, crushing it. All th- across different mediums, television, live action, animated, mm-hmm. everything. And then this is when their career hits the peak for multiple reasons. Yeah. One, they land the opportunity of a lifetime. They get hired to write. It wasn't the directors at the time. They get hired to write the Flash movie. Oh. Because if you look at the history of the Flash movie, yeah. it had like nine directors, 12 writers. It's crazy. I'm throwing yeah. out numbers, but it's it's a lot. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. While they're working on the Flash, and things aren't going well because that movie had a whole history trying to get made. Yeah. They get another opportunity. But they had to leave The Flash to go work on it. Mm-hmm. It was a Star Wars movie. Except they're not writing the Star Wars movie. They get to direct the Star Wars movie. Mm. So they can write The Flash mm-hmm. or they can direct Star Wars. Yes. 
And they're like, yo, let's go direct Star Wars because who wouldn't? Yeah. The movie that they're going to direct is Solo, a Star Wars studio, the movie about the young Han Solo. Yes. Which is written by Lawrence Kasdan and his son. Lawrence Kasdan, writer of The Empire Strikes Back and Raiders of the Lost Ark and such. Also a movie I like. Yes. <laughs> I liked Solo. Yes. I like Solo as well. They start shooting that movie. Mm-hmm. And this is the, the peak of their career. Yeah. Right? Going from animation to live action to TV back and forth to Star Wars. Like, this is it. Yeah. They get more than halfway through production. They start shooting from February to May. Mm-hmm. And production's going to change from London to another place. I forget the other place where they were going to go film. And when they get there, they relocate. Or maybe it was changing to London. Maybe it was going from one place to London. Basically, they were filming for a certain period of time, and then pr- the, where they were going to shoot was going to change for the rest of the shoot. Yeah. So they go, and they get fired <laughs> as directors of Solo, mm-hmm. which shook the trades because it was just like whoa like it like there was not even tr- rumors of like trouble on that set yeah like you fired these guys yeah like <laughs> and the then, guys and yeah. then the story starts to come out of why they were fired mm-hmm. and basically here's what we know and what we don't know we know the reason why they were fired mm-hmm. they were fired because if you watch this makes sense if you watch movies like 21 and 22 jump street yeah when they do live action stuff they are very improvisationally heavy they have a script, but they love to get on set and have fun with it and, you know, create little sequences that weren't exactly on the page. Well, I know, like, um, with the show The After Party, I know Ben Schwartz came out and mm-hmm. was like, yeah, no, like, I have this scene, and then they'll make me do it crying, they'll make me do it angry, they'll make me do it happy, mm-hmm. and then they'll figure it out. Yeah. And they always get the best, like, take of it. It's how it. they yeah. work. Yeah. And that was not a secret, by the way, that that's how they worked. Mm-hmm. Basically, what happened is Lawrence Kasdan was on set watching them and realized, we've been on set for eight hours and they haven't shot a single word that I've written mm-hmm. and was not happy about it. And when you write Raiders of the Lost Ark. And Empire Strikes Back. Which are all made by Lucasfilm. Yeah. You have some saying power. And some great movies. Yes. Yes. And you have some saying power. Mm-hmm. So he went to Kathy Kennedy and all the people running Lucasfilm and they gave certain parameters to Lord Miller to hit, saying like, hey, cut this shit out. They didn't cut the shit out, and they were fired. Yeah. What we don't know is when they hired Lord and Miller, did Lord and Miller agree to not do that? Yeah. Or not? That's what we don't know. So we don't know who turned on who there. Yeah. But if you're asking my opinion, my opinion of what I had to guess, you don't hire Lord and Miller unless you like how they work. Mm Mm-hmm. That'd be like if you hired Taika Waititi and then you get to set and you're like, why is everything so funny? Mm-hmm. It's like, it's what they do, you know? Very like, spy movie, but yeah. yes. <laughs> but, but, yeah, but, but it's like... No, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, even Jojo Rabbit was funny. Yeah. No, but uh, yeah, you don't walk onto the set of Thor Ragnarok and Kevin Feige and be like, what? And he goes, yeah, yeah dude, I made What We Do in the Shadows. What yeah, the yeah. fuck were you expecting? But like, that's yeah. Lord... Like, to me, that's why you hire Lord and Miller. Yeah. Right? Now, I don't know what was said in the conversation. Maybe they agreed. Mm-hmm. Maybe... Lord and Miller were like, yeah, no, we'll absolutely just shoot what's on the page. And then they lied. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what happened. But, I mean, Solo's not even that, like, jokey. Not the uh, version we saw. <laughs> not the version we saw. Exactly. But yeah. I doubt I doubt that they are trying to make a comedy. Oh, no. I don't think it was you know m- what I mean? making but, a comedy. But they, they were probably having them do a lot of improv and a lot of yeah. stuff that wasn't on the page. Okay. But also, at the same time, if we look at Solo, 
and we look at that cast, you have Alden Ehrenreich, mm-hmm. you have Woody Harrelson, you have Donald Glover, mm-hmm. who is yep. an immense talent. Yep. You have Amelia Clark from Game of Thrones, and you have Paul Bettany. Well, at the time, it was Michael Kenneth Williams. Paul Bettany came on when Ron Howard... It was supposed to be Michael Kenneth Williams as that oh, role. Okay, mm-hmm. he he couldn't do reshoots. Gotcha. Well, Michael Kenneth Williams then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, another great. He's the one that recently passed, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fantastic actor as well. Yes. Why wouldn't you let them just see what they could do? Yeah. You know. Yeah, and it made me sad because when they got announced as the directors, they released a photo yeah. that's awesome of them all in the Millennium Falcon, oh, and I like that photo. Good. Yeah. But anyways, they get fired from Solo, and this is like a yeah big. That's a big deal. Like mm-hmm. getting fired from a movie, you're more than halfway through production on. I've heard, I've heard even some people say like they were weeks away from wrapping. Yeah, when they did that, and then it becomes the whole thing of credit, because according to the W or not W, according to the DGA, to get directing credit on a movie, ninety percent of what was shot has to belong to the director. And when they watched it, they determined that eighty percent of it was shot by Ron Howard, and twenty percent of it was shot by Lord and Miller. Mm-hmm. What do we do? We've already spent. 150 more million dollars in this movie than we wanted to so no one did no one made 90 no like okay the final product is 80 percent ron howard 20 percent lord miller okay and the compromise that they made because the dga said we can't approve ron howard being the credited director without some compromises of credit yeah so lord miller agreed to take executive producer credit on the movie okay so that ron howard could get full directing credit okay so what happened in terms of uh, Justice League? That is a whole other thing. Okay, I didn't know if that was like a quick recap. Who has directing credit? Zack Snyder. On the theatrical? Yes. Okay. The compromise they made yeah. is... Because I think Zack Snyder shot more of that movie than people realize, but it was edited so non-contextually to what it was supposed to be. Yeah. But it's still footage he shot. Got it. They just butchered it and to help because i don't i don't think it it wasn't 90 either joss whedon got writing credit okay because he did writes his reshoots but they gave him like credit as a screenwriter like fully with like like the original the theatrical i should say justice league says written by chris terrio and joss whedon because chris terrio wrote the yes i follow okay i was curious how that one worked Yeah. yeah so that goes on yeah lord and miller get fired and they're like, what's next for for us? You yeah. know, they, they don't really have a, a thing going on. Well, Warner Brothers really like that Lego movie. Mm-hmm. But they don't want to direct Lego movie too. But they're like, hey, listen, you guys took a Lego thing and made it good. Can you just help m- with the rest of them? Yeah. And they were like, all right. So they produce Lego movie too. They write some, I think one of them even wrote mm-hmm. the script. And then, like, the Lego Ninjago movie that came out. And Batman. And Lego Batman, yes. I assume they were involved in all those, yeah. They helped produce those movies. Yeah. And so now, you're at this point of... Oh, they also were the executive producers of Son of Zorn, which, by the way, that show was funnier than it had any right to be. That that was a couple years ahead of its time. Yeah. Which I'm seeing a trend here with them. Yeah. But, But anyway, so they're kind of, like, directing live action... It's not like, you know, that didn't work out. They had a horrible experience, yeah. right? But they're like, you know you know what has been really fun? Being a producer on these animated films. Yeah. And they know how to direct animated films too. But they're like, we, we kind of did this Lego thing. And it was really fun. Like being able to kind of be the people who shepherded that universe in yeah. a way. So they're like, let's 
produce other stuff. So they produce other stuff. They produce the movie Smallfoot, which was a cute animated film. That was the Yeti one, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they produced some other TV series and everything animated and live action. And then they produced, as producers, Mitchells versus the Machines. Great movie. Great movie. Mm-hmm. But taking it back a few years, they produced an animated film called Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Ooh. Which a little was, indie film. And they're the producers of that movie, not like executive producers. The producers of that movie. Is that higher? When the movie won the Oscar, they gave it to them. Gotcha. Okay. Like, that's what a producer gets, because that's what you're in charge of. The movie doesn't happen without you. Okay. And so they put together that movie, and they're like, hey, with Lego, like, we could we could shepherd, like, this animated Spider-Man universe. Yeah. And they're basically the Kevin Feige's of the animated Spider-Man Spider-Verse right now. And they got that job, and they're like, this is awesome. Like, we could really do this, because they were really knocked down by getting fired from Solo. Yeah. So they start producing all these movies, and that's when they produce Mitchells vs. the Machines, which I believe got nominated for an Oscar. I don't think it won. It didn't. I believe that was the year that Encanto came out. Yes. And they, they did win for Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. They yeah. start producing all this stuff. They produced Cocaine Bear, which just came out this mm-hmm. year. And they've been just been going nuts producing, which good for them. And they're going to be producing and overseeing the live-action Spider-Man TV shows, correct? As yes, well, over at Sony. Amazon and Sony. Yes. Silk and Spider-Man Noir, I think, are the only two. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. And so they, they were, like, running this ship now that they mm-hmm. finally – that's what their career kind of fell into. Yeah. From doing all of this. And they've been keeping themselves busy for sure. But – when you hear the story of this, their career and how they recovered it and how they were able to go in and become this shepherding producer of this animated Spider-Man universe and kind of run the ship yep. and kind of win their careers back, basically. Now you hear, oh, they're directing a movie with Ryan Gosling written by Drew Goddard. I'm fucking excited. Yes. And when I heard that news, I, my brain did a deep dive of like, wait, when is the last time this happened? And I went through this whole th- journey that I just took you guys on. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy for them. I'm proud of them. And they deserve to make live action movies again. They've earned it. God damn it. Well, something I'm noticing about them is just the unique stuff, right? Lego movie mixed animation live action, Mm -hmm. right? You have the unique style of Spider-Verse. Their upcoming movie, Strays. Yeah. Oh, they did produce Strays. They they really like these concepts that you feel like on paper are like, yeah, we're going to go for it. Yeah. And then they make it make it work. And I know part of the novel and in the article, the the Hollywood Reporter article, they kind of talk about the plot of the movie, uh, which is Ryan Gosling's playing an astronaut who gets sent to a star to try to save Earth. Yep. And apparently on that is this alien creature that he meets that only communicates through musical tones. So I feel like they're like, that seems really abstract and difficult to put in live action. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. We're going to do this. No, they love challenging themselves. And in yeah. the Hollywood Reporter article that we referenced earlier, mm-hmm. they give a great quote of they were like, in the early in our career, we had the advantage of no expectations. Mm-hmm. And now with Spider-Verse 2, people are expecting the world and then some. Yeah. And they're like, so that's been the challenge is we now have to deal with expectations. Yeah, didn't they say everything that they made always ended with, actually, it's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, they were like, exactly. Yeah. Everything always had actually. Yeah. And now when we're going to Spider-Verse, there can't be. Yeah. I, the first Spider-Man was actually, actually was pretty, pretty good. good. Yeah. Now it can't be. Now it needs to be, yeah. oh, my God. Uh, yeah. 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 So I, I just thought they had a very fascinating career trajectory, mm-hmm. and I wanted to share that with you all. So Also, thank you. this art style on The Hollywood Reporter makes the one on the left look like Willem Dafoe. Oh, let me see. I didn't see Cocaine Bear. Did you like a it? A little bit. 
You still haven't seen Cocaine Bear? I still haven't seen Cocaine Bear. I think it's on Peacock now. That I'll movie's check it made out. for you. And I, I'm so serious. <laughs> I can't wait. So yes, thank you again for going on that journey of their careers with me. If there was anything that we missed or something you wanted to add, please do so in the comments below. As we move on to our B-roll and rumors, Nicholas, Ooh. what do you got for us? Yes, our B-rolls are as follows on my phone. <laughs> Suckers. Um, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, who were the composers for The Social Network and Soul, you know, award-winning composers, yeah. uh, will compose the score for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. I turt myself today. <laughs> I saw that on Twitter. I can't take credit for that joke. So real quick, I screenshot a bunch of our Twitter like s- news stories that we sent to each other for the yeah. B-roll. I took one. I'm like, oh, we could throw this in the B-roll. I wasn't thinking about our main topic. I was like, Phil Lord and Chris Miller will direct a new live action movie. <laughs> <laughs> I just totally wasn't. That's so funny. Um. A gory horror Cinderella movie is in the works, coming yeah. off the tales of Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, just, which is getting a sequel. Do you know yeah, that? Yeah, I'm aware. Um, just please be better. <laughs> yeah. And our last story, uh, more of a sad one, just more of an acknowledgement. Uh, Ray Stevenson has passed away. Yes. And we just wanted to take a moment to talk about him. He was uh, a great actor. Um for Phenomenal. those who watch the show who are more into the pop culture kind of world, he uh, was Volstag in Thor, one of his like little buddies. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was Punisher in Punisher Warzone. Yes, he was. Which is a great movie. Um, and I believe he has an upcoming turn in Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. Where he he's does. Pl- I think he's playing a live action version of a animated character he voiced i think so if i if i am correct he has voiced characters in that universe i don't know if that's the character he's playing but he he is in the show um i'll speak briefly one he is a great actor whenever he showed up he crushed it and would you call him a character actor i think so yeah Yeah. i don't know what the like threshold on that is his turn as punisher Mm -hmm. um that movie is ridiculous and it knows exactly what it is and has so much fun it's a crazy ass movie and he played the role very well, especially after Thomas Jane quit the role and there was up in the air, what they, what are we going to do with Punisher? And for him to come in and do it, he did really well. And the, especially the brutality aspect of it, you definitely felt yeah. with him. And he, and he was a very gentle, from what I understand, he was a very gentle person in real life. So mm-hmm. he's he will be missed. Yes. So just wanted to take a moment for, for him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but that's it for the uh, B-roll. Kind of a shorter one t- this week. Uh, following the B-roll, though, we're going to kind of, as it comes up, and if we feel like it's worth talking to, we used to have a segment called Rumors of the Roundtable. Rumors of the Roundtable. Rumors I love of, the round of the Roundtable. Table. Yeah. Um, so we kind of bring it in when there's something interesting to talk about that hasn't really been confirmed, confirmed by the trades, but yeah. something we want to that's been gaining a lot of traction. Yeah. Um, if you guys like this segment, then we can bring it back more frequently. Just yes, let, us, let know. us know. If you hate it and be like, no, I don't want to know these rumors, also let us know, but be nice about it, you know? Um, so our first one, uh, as you know, there's uh, two Avengers movies coming out. Uh, we have Avengers King Dynasty, which is being directed by Daniel Destin... Dustin Daniel Creighton. Dustin, da- I, I flip it every time. It's okay. Who directed Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Correct. Well, the other one, Avengers Secret Wars. Kind of a big big thing in the comics. It's kind of a big, kind of a big movie, big, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so there's directors circulating. There's no confirmed one yet. 
Uh, but there was kind of a rumor floating around that uh, the helmer of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, a.k.a. Sam motherfucking Raimi. Sam Raimi. Uh, is in talks to direct it. So where this rumor comes from is Jeff Snyder on the Hot Mike podcast with John Roca, yes. who does a lot of scoops. And he goes, hey, this is not a confirmed thing. But I know that Marvel's trying to lock down a director for Secret Wars. Yes. And that on the list, Sam Raimi is like on the list. Yes. And I've heard that him, Ryan Coogler, and um, I forget. He said a third name that I forget. And he said, and Dustin Daniel Creighton is trying to be like, let me just do both of them. Mm-hmm. But that because, but from what he understands, they want to shoot them at the same time. And mm-hmm. there's just no way. Like, not not back to back. Like, at the same time. Yeah. And he's like, and there's just no way he can. Mm-hmm. So... But I believe also in that uh, rumor, he's also being re- rumored to just return for Doctor Strange three as well. Doctor Strange three, yeah. Which I doubt he would do both. Yeah, but we'll see. Basically, yeah. I hope Sam Raimi gets to direct Secret Wars because that'd be fucking awesome. Yes. One and two, I hope he directs everything. <laughs> uh, well, here's the thing: I love him as a filmmaker, and I like Multiverse of Madness. I'm in the camp. I really like that movie, mm-hmm. but I understand the criticisms of the movie. But I think none of the criticisms have to do with Sam Raimi, to me. I, I think a lot of it comes down to the writing and the uh-huh. story. I yeah. think in terms of a visual standpoint and a directing standpoint, it's Sam Raimi. And it's one of the most distinct movies of the MCU from a visual and directing standpoint. Yes. Absolutely. So I would be intrigued by that. Yeah. I would love it <laughs> if, if he got to do it. Mm-hmm. But uh, But yeah. Anyways, what was the other rumor of the roundtable? As you know, there's a new Fantastic Four coming out. Yes. And there are rumblings of uh, the cast that might be appearing in that movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we'll start with Mr. Fantastic. The rumor is uh, Adam Driver has locked and closed a deal. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Sue Storm. Uh, These other three, I believe, are in like talking. Yes. Talking stages. Leaning toward, you know, Mm -hmm. over 50% kind of whatever be it. Um, Margot Robbie for Sue Storm. Uh huh. Um, oh my God, what's his what's his name? Why am I Paul Mescal? Paul Mescal for the Human Torch, um, and David Diggs as the Thing. This rumor, by the way, comes from My Time to Shine. Hello on Twitter. Yes, who's a um, a scooper that's been v- extremely accurate in mm-hmm. the past. If this is true, I love it. I think it's a great cast. I mean, they're not fucking around with this movie. No. If they're getting these names, no, 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 holy no. shit. And I do want to yeah. point out, Jeff Snyder, the same person that we talked about yeah. for other stuff, he has said that he, all he knows about the cast is that Adam Driver is probably Mr. Yeah. Fantastic and that he's heard that Paul Mescal said no. Okay. But he's like, he goes, that's all I've heard yeah. about it. So we're still going to figure out who's going to be who. But according to my time, that's well, it. I know also when it comes to the thing, there were a bunch of names being thrown around yeah. that have been kind of like i know people were saying david diggs and mila kunis and yeah. it's like what, what? the hell's yeah. happening yeah here? yeah that, those are very different yeah yeah but um regardless i'm yeah i'm excited i mean they're not messing around and to get that cast especially with the director matt shackman matt shackman who has not worked with like i mean he's did wandavision yeah loved his tv game run. of thrones too game of thrones yeah but you're putting him with the Oscar caliber actors like, yeah. holy shit. And I, I think he's going to do great. Oh, I think he will honestly, too. But... You can't direct that many Sunny episodes and not be great. I'll say it. All his Sunny episodes are fantastic. That's fair. What a grouping though too. Like, yeah. Jeez. Yeah. I'm, it's going to be powerhouse stuff. I know. I'm, I, if those actors are true, I'm just trying to think of the chemistry and it, it's interesting. I just realized something. Uh-huh. 
It's gonna be so great when Namor tries to fuck Sue Storm and it's Margot Robbie. <laughs> Jesus. That's so fun. That, that's so much better. Now, like, just thinking about that. Because you know Namor's <laughs> coming for her. Uh, but there's a note in the comics. Uh, uh, Namor really does not like Mr. Fantastic. No. So much that he gets Sue Storm to cheat on Mr. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Or when they, they're broken up, they whatever. They won't do it. They're always the on and off again. But I will think they will pay homage to it by having Namor, like, flirt with her. I oh, yeah, definitely. That's going to yeah. be the, the goal. But, but yeah, very interesting rumors. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And with all of that down, let's now move on to the box office. The box office. Section of our show. First order of business. Yes. What were our predictions from last week? Yes. So, Dalton, you had The Little Mermaid, Fast X, Guardians 3, Mario, Evil Dead. Okay. I had Little Mermaid, Fast X, Guardians 3, Mario, and About My Father. Interesting. We were both wrong. Oh, but boy. we were both close. Oh. Now these numbers. We are filming on Monday, but I don't know if these are the final Monday numbers because for holiday weekends they try to wait and post the holiday weekend numbers. Okay. So these might still be the Sunday estimates, but these will be the closer to the three day totals. These are not the four day Memorial Weekend totals. Okay. So coming in number one was The Little Mermaid. Making $95 million in its opening three-day weekend. It'll crack over 100 for its four-day. Coming in second, Fast X, making $23 million, a 66% drop from week one to week two. Jeez. Coming in third, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, making another $20 million. How much, sorry? $20 million. Okay. Coming in fourth, the Super Mario Brothers, making another $6 million. And coming in fifth place, the machine, making <laughs> yeah, boy. making five million dollars. About my father was six at four point three. Good for the machine. Good for yeah, Bert. I, I want to see it really bad. Um, yes. So that is your top five box office. Let's go a little bit more into the numbers on a couple of the others before we have a really fun deep dive. Uh, Fast X has now crossed five hundred million dollars worldwide. It is at five twelve. Mm-hmm. Uh, on a budget of 340. God, I still can't believe that. Jeez. Has a long way to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 3 has now crossed 737 worldwide. It's looking like it'll end its run at a little over 800 million if it, if we are lucky enough to get there. 750 for sure. Um, Mario continues to crush it. It's at 1.27 billion. Mm-hmm. Success story enough there. The machine has only opened in the US. It's at, oh, it says it's at $6 million now. So it probably opened to closer to six in the final numbers and uh i don't have its budget on here but i believe where crusher said it, it was around 20 million okay so it has some way to go but hey we'll see and i also wanted to bring up about my father which did come in sixth which a movie we got to see early and it made a five right now it's at five a little over five million dollars i guess closer to the um mm-hmm. real numbers doesn't have its budget listed but i'm sure robert de niro was not cheap Oh, God, no. Oh, there's also a new Gerard Butler movie out. There's a new oh, yeah. Gerard con, Butler con, movie. Con, yeah, con, I've never heard of it Condor until yesterday. Like yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Listen, if it has Gerard Butler, I mean, I'll go see it. He's fun. He was good in Plane. <laughs> he was. Uh, but anyway. Quite liked Plane. Yeah. The the big thing we wanted to dive yeah. into was Little Mermaid. Mm-hmm. And um, that is the big story. Right now, worldwide, it has $185 million. Ooh, By wow. the end of the week, it'll be at 200 And it was made on a budget of 250 Wow. Wow. 
and it's you know it's got some ways to go but it looks looking like it's going to be a success it depends on how well it can stay with the summer movie season which is huge by the way yes and uh what we wanted to do in honor of little mermaid and where it opened versus where it could end up is Mm -hmm. we went and did a deep dive on all of the disney live action remakes yes with an asterisk which I'll get to in a second. And we looked at their opening weekends versus their total worldwide numbers. Mm-hmm. The asterisk I was mentioning was as follows. We left out a few of them. We didn't count anything before 2010 because I think you could argue that the craze started with Alice in Wonderland mm-hmm. when that came out. And we didn't do a couple movies specifically. We didn't do Maleficent 1 or 2 because it wasn't the story of Sleeping Beauty. It was the like a reimagining towards mm-hmm. the villains who were like, that eh, doesn't count. Um, Sorcerer's Apprentice, I guess technically a remake of Fantasia, but we didn't count that. We also didn't count. Which Chris- broke my heart because Nick Cage. Yes. We also didn't count Christopher Robin mm-hmm. because it's not directly a Winnie the Pooh movie. And we also didn't count Corella because it's more of a prequel to 101 Dalmatians and it's not a remake of that story. Yeah. And we didn't count the Glenn Close 101 Dalmatians just because they were before 2010. Mm-hmm. So with that down, Here are some fun information for you as to how these movies performed. Starting with Alice in Wonderland, that movie opened to $116 million, which is crazy. Mm -hmm. Its total worldwide box office was $1,025,000,000. Jesus That's pretty good, especially at the time, too. Like, billion was a hard thing to get. I think it was... Tim Burton's doing Alice in Wonderland. Yo, let's get fucked up and go watch that movie. Yeah. Um, next we have on here is Cinderella, the 2015 one with um, Kenneth Branagh and mm-hmm. uh, Lily James. Opened to 67 million and it made a total worldwide of 542, which is crazy still. So what we're seeing right off the gate, they're making their money back. Yes. In yes. a big way. Yes. And Alice in Wonderland dramatically overperformed. Like, to the point where that's where they started, like, oh, we should do more of these. And it took a few years to get to Cinderella, but... Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, in 2016, we had The Jungle Book, which opened to $103 million, and it made $953 million worldwide. This close to a billion. Um, also, in 2016, you had Pete's Dragon, which I forgot in my initial chart. If you give me one second, I have the info. Uh, which opened to $21 million and had a worldwide total of 137 So that one was a bit lower but mm-hmm. i also remember they barely marketed that movie too yeah i liked that one it wasn't bad um next was alice through the looking glass the sequel to alice wonderland so this is a infamous story of mm-hmm. a first movie being successful and the second movie not so much when i say that the first movie overperformed and made a billion dollars this is how the second film performed it opened to 26 million dollars and total worldwide was 276 so it significantly went- lower than all three of its pre- predecessors in yes this it went it opened the first one opened at 116 this opened at 26 so it's not like even the opening crowd yeah. was Excited there to, to go, go. yeah and then worldwide went from 1 billion to 276 million so instead of realizing they lightning in the bottle they thought oh people want more of this and they did not want more of that <laughs> <laughs> at all um also on here is the beauty and the beast remake with emma watson and dan stevens we love dan stevens it opened to 174 million and it ended up making 1.2 billion dollars. Damn. Uh, next was Dumbo, another Tim Burton, opened to 45 million and made a total worldwide of 353. So it was a bit of a fall. 
sensing a Tim Burton trend here with yep. these. <laughs> Next is Aladdin, directed by our boy Guy Ritchie, Hell opening yeah. to ninety-one million dollars and had a total worldwide box office of one billion forty-six million dollars. Good for Guy Ritchie. A much-needed win for Guy Ritchie at the yes, time. Yes, he was coming off a of King Arthur, which and, is great. Which failed miserably, but it is a fucking phenomenal movie, and I will never get over it. Um, coming in also in 2019 was The Lion King, mm-hmm. which was their most successful one so far, open to $191 million and total worldwide box office $1.6 billion. And this is the most successful in regards to amounts. If I had to do budget comparisons, I don't, I have, I, that's a different video that yeah. I don't have ready right now. Uh, but that wasn't the last of the Disney live action remakes. Um, Lady and the Tramp, Pinocchio, and Peter Pan and Wendy all made $0 because they went straight to streaming. Fucking morons. And uh, there's a special case, though, Mulan, which didn't come out in America and went straight to Disney Plus because of the pandemic, Mm -hmm. but it did come out in other countries. So its opening weekend number is zero, but its total worldwide is $69 million. (laughs) Nice. Well, it did the home release, too. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't, it was a Disney Plus, but it was a pay, I believe, here. Was Was it a pay? I know Black Widow was a pay. I think Mulan was a pay. Was it? I'm trying to remember. It might, but that sounds right. Like, wasn't it like $30 or something? Yeah, Mulan is now streaming for free on Disney Plus after, this is an old article, after previously costing $30 on top of subscription. Yeah. I don't have, by the way, I don't have the numbers as to how much it made. Let me look that up right now, actually. I don't know, they they would not release that opening weekend like that, right? How much did Mulan make from Disney Plus? So apparently, streaming revenue made $33 million. Oh, that's 70, or is that different? No, of of streaming revenue. Oh. Like, that was separated. So it's just under 100 total. Yeah. Hmm. That's actually not bad. If that's true, I'm just pulling this from... Yeah, but there's no way that's anywhere near its budget. No. No, it was way, from, way more than that. Yeah. Um, But, I mean, if it's better than nothing, I guess. That's fair, yeah. Um, yes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's Mulan, the special case of Mulan. And uh, so how does Little Mermaid compare? Yes. Well, box office-wise, it has opened to $95 million, which puts it more than Aladdin, Mm -hmm. more than Dumbo, more than Alice 2, more than Cinderella. So it's performing fairly well compared to those films. And those are all pre-pandemic films. Not doing as well as Lion King, um, Beauty and the Beast, Jungle Book, you know, right at the craze of the Disney Love Action remake, and not as good as the first Alice in Wonderland. But it is doing fairly well. But now the question is, does it get to a billion? No. Because it's just going to get flooded with... This is opening at the beginning of summer. There's so much more. Unless it stays in the top five and it has less than 50% drops, Mm -hmm. I don't think so. But it also depends on how well it does overseas, right? Overseas. But uh, <laughs> well, the the hard part with it too is there's no counter programming happening because next week's release is Spider Man, yeah, which is also geared toward I mean a, like a general audience, audience, but family yeah. audiences. So it's not like oh then, my god, I'm not going to take them to go see Fast X because yep. and then Transformers, yeah, which is also Flash, Flash, yeah, Indiana dude, Jones, Summer's back, yeah, yeah, the hell of a lineup, yeah, but. Yeah, so it's performing very well, and it's about, it's better than most of them, Mm -hmm. I'd say. It's doing better than most of them. So, yeah, I just wanted to kind of do a little deep dive onto the Disney Live Action remakes there and kind of show how it's going. Yeah. Predictions? Oh, we're going to do fucking predictions, (laughs) buddy. 
I'm going to go first this time. Go ahead. Next week, coming in first is going to be Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Okay. Number two is going to be The Little Mermaid. Number three is going to be Fast X. Mm -hmm. Let me look if anything else comes out this weekend. Oh, that's when we're getting Sanctuary. (gasps) The Boogeyman comes out, too. Next week? Yeah. Oh. Oh, It comes out with Spider-Verse? Yeah. Oh, boy. So, hold on. I'm at Spider-Verse, Little Mermaid, Fast X. Yeah. Boogeyman. You're going Boogeyman after Fast X? Yeah. Okay. Guardians 3. What did, That's counter What did Fast X? Fast X made $23 million, so... Mm-hmm. Ooh. All right. Well, I'm going to go... I'm going to go Spider-Verse. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go Mermaid. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go Boogeyman. Ooh. I'm going to go Fast X, and I'm going to go Guardians. Guardians right. made or Fast X made twenty three, so a fifty percent drop would be twelve. Twelve. And I think Boogeyman could beat it. But everyone's gonna flock to Spider Verse. That's my trepidation. Yeah. I think it's gonna be close. I don't I don't think what you're saying is crazy. It could happen. Yeah. Hmm. What was Evil Dead Rise's opening? I'll tell you in just a second. I feel like that would be a big factor too. Evil Dead Rise opened to 24. They also weren't going up against anything. I'm sticking with it. I think Boogeyman can beat 13. Honestly, I hope it goes Spider-Verse Boogeyman. It won't happen, but that would be crazy. That would need Mermaid to do... If Mermaid did a 50% drop... Yeah. It's like 40... You'd have to do more than 40 million. Which there's no way Boogeyman opens to that. No, 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 no. (laughs) But these horror movies have... They have legs. They do. So Boogeyman might very well It'll stick stay around in there. for a bit. Yeah. If, if it's good. If it's good. Yeah. Have yeah. you heard anything about it yet? Anything coming I've, out? I've heard it's perfectly fine. That's, okay. That's what I've heard. Gotcha. Like, I've heard it's not bad. It's not the best horror movie you've ever seen. It's perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go see it. Yeah, I mean, I'm there. Sanctuary also comes out, which I'm going to see. Dude, there's so many fucking movies to watch, and no. now I'm an adult. I, I don't know. have any fucking time. Why couldn't this happen when I was in college, when I saw everything? <laughs> That was a nice time. I know Regal has it where you get like the unlimited movies with their pass, but I like an AMC. But I wish that the AMC A list would. I wish you would let me book three movies a week and have more than three reservations. Yeah, that's aggravating. Mm -hmm. I might get the AMC credit card. (laughs) I'm so serious. (laughs) I've thought about it a lot, and I've actually like I'm gonna sit down with Hannah later. Yeah, because at the beginning of each week we like plan out our week. Yeah, and I'm gonna go hey. I might open this credit card. I want to get to Spider-Verse <laughs> a little early because I want to get credit. Yeah. That's funny. But, like, it's, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What a time. I mean, it makes sense, though. People get the travel, like, credit cards for travel because they travel. Yeah. <laughs> you go to the movies. Yeah. Yeah. Early prediction. hmm If Spider-Man opens to over 100. Yeah. Like, let's say it opens to one, let's say 120. Which is high, but let's say it opens to one twenty, mm-hmm. and it takes a fifty percent drop to sixty. Mm-hmm. Does it open higher than Transformers? Is it second weekend higher than Transformers first weekend? Ooh, yes. You think yes. All right. I think Bumblebee was really good. I don't think it reignited anyone's love for Transformers. Mm-hmm. 
I'm not going to dive into the original Spider-Verse box office now because I obviously want to save that for next week. Yeah. But people don't realize that movie didn't make as much money as they think it does. No, it did not perform but great. But I think in the time that's been, oh yeah, a ton of more people are going to come see this one. Oh, it's going to be insane. I'm excited. You too. Me too. Well, I think that's all we had for today's show. Uh, I don't know. Do we get everyone's hopes up again about this week? No, because the screening's on Wednesday, so there's no buffer. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We might see something on Wednesday. We'll say we might. We might. So, fun story for you guys. We were supposed to see The Flash last week. Yes. We addressed this, I think, at the top of the last show. Oh, yeah, I think for we For anyone who's tuning in now. We were supposed to see The Flash Welcome. last week. Yeah. We did not see The Flash. We ended up seeing About My Father because they overbooked the shit out of The Flash. Yeah. But they gave us new passes with Front of the Line on them. Whatever that means. And <laughs> since Nick works from home, he's going to get there first. <laughs> And save our spot at the front of the line. And uh, so Wednesday, we're supposed to see The Flash. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that the review embargo's up by then, but the social media embargo is. So we will be able to do a right out of the theater reaction. I think it has to be like two minutes or less, I think. Okay. It's about what they usually are. Yeah. yeah. So we'll be fine there. But so we'll be able to do that. We won't be able to do a full review until the embargo's out. It comes out. But we'll film the review at some point. We'll release that, and then we'll do a spoiler review for the film the Monday after it opens. Yes. So you'll so. get a couple of different Flash videos. But allegedly, we're going to see it this Wednesday. But that is if we get an early in the early Come yes. Wednesday night into Thursday morning. Mm-hmm. If you open YouTube and there is no video from us, we did not get to see the Flash again. Just comment your, <laughs> sy- comment your sympathies yes, somewhere. Yes. <laughs> F in the chat. <laughs> Put an F in the chat for us. Yes. Yes. But uh, But yeah. That's, I believe that's all we had for the show today. Yes, I believe so. So, yeah, thank you guys so much for watching. I've been Dalton Burdett. I've been Nick Eric And we'll see you next week. 